Welcome to the Make Room for Your Power podcast, where Coach Tandy Pryor will explore her guest's journey of digging deep and sharing how owning their power has impacted and shown up in their lives and businesses. Get inspired to create the abundant life and business of your dreams. Good morning, and welcome to Tandy Pryor Coaching's podcast, Make Room for Your Power, Own Your Power, Make More Money. Today, I am super excited to be talking to Mr. Andy Patrick. Andy is an entrepreneur at the forefront of technology, design, and storytelling. He's developed, negotiated, and shepherded through successful executions, such projects, diverse projects as the first online banking for Citibank on 3.5-inch floppies, no less. I do remember those. Managing the first live webcast from the North Pole for National Geographic creating the first e-commerce websites for Apple, Virgin, Nordstrom, and Patagonia. He has continually blended his for-profit success with innovative philanthropic programs, including a crowdfunding platform for communities, an international grant and training program for photojournalists, and creating an emergency shelter program for homeless individuals. He's a frequent speaker on such issues, a curator of over 15 photographic exhibitions around the world, and an experienced world traveler. His respect and passion for mentoring stems from a family of teachers, as well as an understanding that his success is rooted in a group of mentors whom he meets with regularly. Join me today in welcoming Andy Patrick. Hi, Andy. Hi, Tandy. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, I met Andy through a mutual friend and uh, we met for coffee and I, my jaw was hanging down at all of your adventures and all the amazing things that you have managed to put yourself in front of and be a part of. And I'm in awe of it. And I can't wait to talk to you today and hear and have you share all of those things. I, I believe I called you the rainmaker. You just make things happen and you seem to be where, where it's all happening. So let's start with, tell me, like, how did you get started doing all this? Oh, thank you. <laughs> First of all, yeah. I'm, uh, I've been very, very fortunate. That's for sure. I, I think... You know, like a lot of entrepreneurs, I, um, I've, I've just remained very curious about the world. And um, I'd like to say that I, I really keep my eyes open and my ears open all the time and, and look, for, look for connections, you know, look for uh, disparate points that somehow uh, come together. And, and one of those points is myself and my own interests and curiosities. And so when those things start to align or I see a line kind of running through them, then that's, that's where I tend to go. And um, I tend to, to go where I find there's energy, so to speak. So when, when I'm approaching something and I find that, that more and more things are starting to happen, you know, I'm meeting more people associated with that particular thing or I'm making more connections in my head or, or doing research about it, then I, I go with that flow. And, um, and it, it leads me to a lot of, uh, as you mentioned, a lot of very interesting things and, uh, and very different things. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, I, I heard a quote one time that we're not looking for the meaning of life. 
but we're looking for the experiences that remind us what it means to be alive. And so mm. uh, I, uh, I yeah. tend to, yeah, yeah, it's a good one. That's a Joseph Campbell quote. <laughs> I, li- I really like that one. And I, you know, I wish we had enough time to go into every one of the things that you told me. But how did you, you know, that we talked about, oh my goodness, you're going to have to give a quick overview of that at some point during this. But how did you, have you always been an entrepreneur or did you start in a regular job and then segue in or did you just honor that that need for freedom and whatever else drew you to all these different projects? Yeah, yeah I, I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, it's it's a calling <laughs> and it it has been a calling since i was a little kid i i uh i've i i've kind of joked at times that it's an illness um because it's hard for me to look at something and not wonder if there's a better way you know it's kind of the better mousetrap mentality you know i i i think about things all the time you know and just wonder like oh, I wonder if if that could be done better, you know, a better process or a better product or whatever it may be. So, uh, so that's part of it. And I, I think also that it stems from, at least for me, it, it stems from a place of compassion for our fellow human beings. You know, I think that, that um, especially in this day of age, we need this more and more, which is just the need for people, people to truly care. And I think that if you care about about people um, or the environment or animals or whatever it may be, if there's a true compassion there, then then I, I, I think it there's a want to help, um, and that again can be through a better product or a better service or what what have you. Um, so for me, you know, when I was a kid, there was a, I was growing up in Kettering, Ohio, outside of Dayton, and there was a Major snowstorm one winter, I think it was, I don't know, 69 or 70 or 71, something like that. And uh, and it meant that people in the neighborhood couldn't make it to the grocery store. And so I put a, a, a crate on the back of my sled. And my mom gave me a little list of some things that she needed from the grocery store. And so I, I walked, it was about a half mile up to the store. And as part of that, I thought, well, my mom needs this, so does everybody else. <laughs> so my first business really was um, kind of a, an early grocery delivery service. Oh my um, gosh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and yeah, so I, I, I've had so many different businesses over the years and some have, have gone well and some have not. And I think that that's a, another important lesson is that, you know, it's... it's uh, whether things go extremely well or whether they go extremely poorly, um, there are incredible lessons and it's, you know, no one's going to bat a thousand percent or a hundred percent or whatever the analogy is. So, um, that is so true. That is so true. And I, you know, everybody knows you're really an entrepreneur. You, I mean, the biggest lessons are usually in what appears to be a failure. It's not necessarily Mm -hmm. really a failure, right? It depends on who's who's at it and with what eyes. Yes. I love that story about the delivery service. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, 
um, tell me, you know, hop in a little bit about some of the amazing places that you've been. And I guess like maybe give me your top three experiences that you had and kind of a little bit about, you know, where you're going now and what you're up to. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, I think, you know, speaking of kind of keeping one's eyes and ears open all of, all of the time, um, many years ago, uh, I was working with a, a group uh, of designers, primarily graphic designers, and we had a couple of opportunities to to be on the forefront of uh, of interactive. Um, back then, it was uh, the three and a half inch floppies that you mentioned, and CD ROMs and things of that nature, and uh, and that that really fascinated me, and uh, I. I was. Um, I, I really tried to convince my partners that that's the direction that we should move in, and um, and they they just weren't too into it. Um, they wanted to stick to the print, and so I I uh, had met a couple of young guys that were still in college, and I had been mentoring them a little bit, and uh, they called me up one day and and they said, "Hey, we took your advice and we started a business." And I said, oh, that's great. And they said, and we got our first client. I said, wow, that's great. What is it that, that you're doing? And I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, maybe they got a small business down the street and they're going to do newspaper coupons for them or something like that. And they said, well, our first client is, is Patagonia and we're going to design their website. <laughs> I said, what? what? <laughs> and this is, this is like, this is like 94, I think. And so, uh, so I ended up meeting with them. And I think at the time there were four of them and the oldest at the time I think was 22, maybe. Yeah, I think 22. And so uh, long story short is I, I took a big leap and, um, and I, I left the design firm and the partnership there and, um, and much to the chagrin of friends and family, I started a, a company with uh, four guys that, we then started developing some of the first major websites, and uh, and that led to a series of of incredible um, steps that led to working with you know some of the greatest CEOs of the time. Because at, at that point in the mid to late '90s, anything to do with the development of an e-commerce website went all the way to the C office. So. You know, whether it was Steve Jobs or Dan Nordstrom or Ivan Chouinard at Patagonia or um, et cetera, you know, they wanted to know all about it because this was, at the time, much more than just overdeveloping an online store because most people didn't even know what that was. But it was really changing an entire way uh, that they were going to be doing business. And, and just think about it. I mean, when we launched the Apple Store, I think the first day it did 12 million in sales, um, which was unheard of. And think oh, wow. of the importance now of, of you know online stores and the, the hundreds of billions in e-commerce that are done every year in the U.S. now, let alone around the world. So, um, so that was that was an incredible experience. We we moved the business from the Midwest out to San Francisco because we needed. To, to really be in the heart of of what was going on at that time, and we needed to have more people to hire to be able to scale the business, and we did so very rapidly. 
uh, we, we grew to about 75 people pretty quickly and, uh, and really became, you know, one of the premier web design and development. We, we did kind of soup to nuts, um, when it came to e-commerce, including even hosting the website. So when the, when the Apple store launched, it was hosted in our office in a small room with a locking key, which is just unheard of today, but Oh my gosh, that is an amazing story that uh, you actually told a lot more than I had heard originally, even more details. That is really, that's kind of mind boggling that you were there that, and that's how it started. Yeah. 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 It was, it was an incredible time and, you know, we ended up selling that business and, uh, and one of the reasons that we sold it is because there was a client that offered us millions of dollars to to do their e-commerce site um i I think it was close to five million dollars what they offered us and and i remember just thinking you know this is weird (laughs) this is not going to last and so i met with my partner actually we I, i rented a cabin up in up in uh north of san francisco about an hour north and I thought it was going to be this kind of, you know, three-day long discussion about whether we should sell or what have you. And and, uh, and literally it took one hour and we turned around and came home <laughs> because <laughs> we all realized that, you know, things were changing rapidly and we were either going to have to take on venture capital money and become the big dog in the fight um, or we were going to have to go public. Um, and become even bigger, um, or we were going to be relegated to, you know, kind of a little boutique that would probably atrophy over time. And and that, you know, that's I think another important lesson is is, you know, to just really pay attention to what's happening in the industry that you're in, and where you fit in it, and where it fits in history. And in some cases, you know, that's not going to be terribly applicable. Obviously, in in technology, it is, but um, but it's important to understand the macro and the micro um, at all times, and and to be able to take some time and step back from it all, and and assess where where one is at, um, because sometimes the best move, you know, may not be the one that you started out the business to to do. I mean, we didn't start the business to sell it by any means. You know, we just thought this would be an amazing thing to do. And it yeah. was, but and it was interesting because I, I had a, uh, I went to a bachelor party, um, out at the, the beach, um, uh, oh, a couple of years, maybe three years later. And I, I got there a little bit late and, um, and there were 20 people, you know, 20 guys out on the beach. And I went out and said hi to everybody, you know, and this one guy approached me and he was like, Andy. And I was like, Hey, <laughs> and quite honestly, I, I, didn't recognize him and he just you, you don't remember me do you and I said, I'm, I'm sorry I totally I, I remember your face but yes well we were your competitor when you were running adjacency which was the, the name of the company and I said oh yeah 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 and, and he says remember we met and had breakfast um, my two partners myself and and you we met to talk about what you thought we should do with our company because this was after when you sold the company. And I said, yeah, I do remember this. What, whatever happened? He goes, we didn't take your advice. 
And I said, oh, okay. I said, and, and so what happened? He said, exactly what you said might happen. And I said, what <laughs> might happen? And he said, well, we, we decided that we were going to stay the course and we were going to, you know, we, we thought we could do it, but then, you know, we were at the top of, of the game at the, at the time. But then, as you know, about a year later, the bubble burst and our business started declining and we didn't have the funding and we couldn't get it at that point because the bubble had burst. And we ended up having to sell the company for like $100,000. And so we kind of lost everything, you know? And if he would have listened to, you, to that, if he would have listened yeah, to you, what would he have sold it for? A hundred million. Oh, ouch. That's yeah. a, that is a really fascinating story. I, I love that. Um, and I well, love, and it really points to, to timing, right? Uh huh. I mean, there's, uh-huh. that's when I say, you know, you really need to keep your eyes open to the macro and the micro and your industry, et cetera. It's because, you know, so much of, of all of this is timing. And, uh, and you know, I, I think, you know, I've always considered myself very fortunate, very lucky. Um, and people oftentimes say, well, you know, you make your own luck. Well, I don't know where the truth is in all of that. But what I do know is, is that you really need to keep your eyes open. And if you do, then you see more options. You see more opportunities you see the different paths that are available and um, and then you might pick the right one <laughs> right yeah and, and people do get a little bit tunnel vision on things and ideas and get a little too attached to them that's dangerous too isn't it right, right. yeah especially in technology and that type of thing the way that it that it that it rolls well i was going to say it's so difficult you know there was an uh, an ad for i think it was like amex or something like that that used to run on TV years ago and and it said, you know, it was aimed toward entrepreneurs and it was like today you're the marketer and tomorrow you're the accountant and the next day you're the production manager, et cetera. And it's so true, you know, and there's so many different things that you have to, to be doing almost simultaneous, um, simultaneously. And, and it's hard. It's hard to, with all of that going on and the pressures that come with it, to to take the time to take that step back and assess things. Um, but that's hugely important. Yes, yes. There was another. There were a couple other really store, really good stories. Like I, I, I love the one about um, the Dalai Lama, and I love the one about your project with um, the photography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If you want to touch in well, on a little of that, um, I would love to hear sure. a little bit about that or sure. whichever one you want well, to I, <laughs> uh, So the, the, um, the one that you referenced regarding the Dalai Lama and, and, and that, I, I was... Uh, so after the sale of, of adjacency to business that I mentioned, um, I, um, I had become involved with a venture capital firm. I was kind of their entrepreneur in residence, and uh, they had me uh, go to, to India, and uh, this was 1999, and um, help one of their uh, general partners in the fund. He is a major industrialist in, in India and wanted to leverage his, his 
brand, which is a mega brand, and wanted to leverage that across India, opening up internet cafes and developing like the online service for all of India. Well, so I was there and, and I had been there for months and, uh, and it was an incredible experience. I absolutely loved India. Um, but it was also very trying because I, I, um, I didn't see that element of compassion in what they were doing. Um, and, and so it was tough for me. Anyway, one, one evening, uh, there was a, a talk uh, to the YPO, which is the Young President's Organization that many of, of your listeners may know. And it was the YPO of, of Bangalore, which is kind of like the Silicon Valley of, uh, of India. And, um, and so I was asked if, if I'd like to attend. And so I attended. And, and there were about 100 entrepreneurs and, uh, out on this beautiful lawn outside of this mega mansion. And uh, and it was Richard Gere, and and Richard was telling his story of service, uh, and 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 kind of his life path. And uh, you may know he's he's a practicing Buddhist and um, has been very involved in a lot of issues, um, both related to Tibet as well as 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 others. And in this particular case, he was asking the members of the YPO to assist him in bringing about more clarity and understanding around the issue of HIV and AIDS in India. Because at that time, it was, it, it was such a taboo subject. I mean, if, if a family member was diagnosed, oftentimes they would just throw the person out on the street, stone them. I mean, it was really horrific, barbaric. Mm-hmm. And so he was wanting to, to bring about change and understanding of that. So towards the end of his talk, he said, so, you know, who, who here, just by a show of hands, who here will, will help me with this? And, you know, he had his assistants up by the stage and they had packets of information that they were prepared to hand out to those that wanted to help. Well, no one <laughs> raised their hand. And, um, and I was sitting in the very back of the room and, and I, um, you know, I knew my place because I was a successful entrepreneur from Silicon Valley in a region and in a country that wanted to be the next Silicon Valley. And um, so I stood up and I said, um, hey, everyone, uh, my name is Andy Patrick. And, and I, I, uh, I'm from San Francisco. I'm working with so-and-so here who is hosting this event. And um, I just sold my company. And I, I just said a couple of things that helped position me in their eyes. And I said, you know, uh, I've, I've been where, where you are right now. I've been in this situation before. That's really tough because, you, you know, in, in a lot of ways, you, you want to help, but you're really nervous because you have to put yourself out there. And this is tough because nobody, nobody is really understanding this particular issue in in India right now, or very few are. And um, I said, but here's the deal. (laughs) You are entrepreneurs. And that's what entrepreneurship is, is about to a certain extent, is that you have to put yourself out there time and time again when no one else will. You have to have that bravery to, to jump when no one else will. And if you want 
this country to continue to evolve, then, then this is the type of issue that you need to become involved with. So I really encourage all of you to stand up and help Mr. Gear with, with this project because this is way too important. And you are leaders. And as leaders, this is a must. You don't just sit on your hands. Well, everybody ended up standing up. And uh, so Richard's assistants passed out all the information. And Richard kind of finished up his, his talk over the next couple of minutes. And then he kind of did a beeline for me. <laughs> he was like, who the hell are you? <laughs> you know? and, um, and that began a friendship. Um, that um, that turned into a um, an opportunity for me to come to New York and help him start a foundation, um, which was called Healing the Divide. Uh, that was all around uh, healing the uh, Tibetan culture and trying to preserve the Tibetan culture that was being decimated by the Chinese uh, government and. And, I do remember I, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. as, as part of, of all of that, uh, the foundation, uh, which is now called the Richard Gere Foundation, uh, the foundation brought the Dalai Lama to Central Park twice um, for, for talks to, you know, just enormous, enormous crowds in Central Park. Uh, we had uh, large, large fundraisers. Uh, we had a... Um, incredible uh, concert at Avery Fisher Hall in New York with Tom Waits and the Yoto monks and all kinds of great performers. And, and, and so, you know, it, it, it's just, again, I think it's really interesting how one can uh, really keep themselves open to ideas and opportunities. And, and like I said, to the, the young presidents in, in Bangalore, India, you know, it's the same anywhere is that as an entrepreneur, I, I think that we, we owe it to ourselves and, and to our, uh, to, to the rest of the inhabitants on the, on the planet to really step out and step up and step into our power. And, yeah. Uh, and work that, that matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Andy, um, these these have been amazing stories, and I think um, sharing all aspects of being an entrepreneur what that means it's ups, it's downs, it's um, it's breaks, it's all of those different phases. And I know that you kind of came back to the Midwest in the last year. So I'm wondering if you want to share a little bit about what brought you here, what your thoughts are and, and kind of, what are you doing back in your home state? <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. I, uh, well, speaking of, of ups and downs, uh, about, uh, two years or so ago, uh, you know, I had a, I had a down, um, in a lot of different ways, uh, both, from a professional as well as a personal perspective or, or standpoint, I, I just, I had really tough time. I had a tough time with the business and there was a lot going on personally that, that kind of exasperated that. And uh, so I decided to, to take a break and I had heard a Ted talk uh, from uh, Stephen or Stefan Sagmeister. He's a wonderful designer and he has, 
taken a one-year sabbatical uh, every seven years in his life. And and so I, I've, I just thought I would try something along those lines. And for me, uh, reconnecting with, with nature has always been a very grounding and important part of my life. And I had really gotten away from that. And I had gotten away from quiet and contemplation and reading and writing because I'd just been so damn busy with everything. And so uh, I was on the phone with a buddy of mine that I grew up with that lives here in the Cincinnati area. And we were talking about this very thing. And he said, why don't you, why don't you just come back here for a while? And, uh, and so I did a quick search on Craigslist for, I think the key words were cabin, acres, water. And um, I have spent the last year now in a log cabin on 15 acres overlooking the Ohio River about 30 minutes uh, east of, of Cincinnati. And it has been an incredible experience. It's, it's given me a chance to really recharge my batteries and my creativity and, uh, and, and, and see a lot of friends and read a lot of books that I kind of backlogged and, and do some serious writing. And from that has, has come all kinds of incredible ideas and allowed me to again kind of explore my my own curiosities again, and um, and as such, I'll I'll be starting a new business here shortly. I'm in stealth mode right now, so I, I I'm not really ready to talk about it. But uh, but that really comes from this whole experience, and it's been really incredible. I love that. That is so important. And and even the, what you're doing, what a gift to yourself. But if you can't do that, you can still take a one day a week, you can take part of your day and, and connect with yourself and reconnect what you're, I, I love that. I love that you shared that and what's coming out of it. I think that would have never happened, right? Had you not really been a chance to reboot and recharge. And I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think what you said is, is, spot on, which is that, you know, this is an extreme. I, I, I'm, again, I'm really lucky that I'm able to do this and, and it worked out, but, um, not everyone, including myself moving forward can, you know, have this luxury, so to speak, of just taking a year. So, so the trick is finding balance in, in the day to day, I think, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a quick, you know, 30 second meditation or prayer, or what, however it is that, that one does, you know, connects to self and connects to the, to the world. Um, even if it's just, you know, every morning, instead of like bopping up and checking your email and checking out CNN or whatever it may be, you know, with your cup of coffee or your cup of tea and do nothing, just sit and be quiet and kind of move slowly into the day. You can go work out. You can, you know, whatever it may be. We all have our our, our ways, but I think finding balance in that day to day is so vital because being an entrepreneur is it's a marathon at a sprinter's pace. You know. Oh gosh, that's so great. To, yes. You have to. Re- yeah, you have to remain healthy. You have to think of yourself as as an athlete, making sure that your mind is healthy and your body is healthy and your spirit is healthy. Yeah. And mindfulness is a perfect way to do that. You know, I have a coach that, that talks that are, this is what she always says is frequency first. 
you know, get your um, own frequency up and going for the day, whether that's partly exercise, but there's no, even exercise, there's no um, substitute for connecting with your inner self, you know, connecting with meditation, whatever it is that you do. And the quiet, we we really have to create that time for quiet. And I love that we're going to finish on that. To me, that's a high note. And that is really important information. And, you know, I really admire the fact that you took a, a sabbatical. And I would love it to not be like within the language we used, which was extreme. It would be nice if that was something that people could work in, it, whatever levels, maybe it's a month, a week, a year, whatever it is. When you right. do this type of work, it's important. It's important. Yeah. That's, that's very true. And that's, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming today. I appreciate it and for taking the time out to chat and uh, share all of your experiences and they're pretty amazing. And hopefully everybody can glean some wisdom and, uh, um, and be entertained by your adventures. Really amazing. Well, thank you very, very much. It's very kind. And yeah, I, I, my dad used to say that when he would speak to an audience, he hopes that he was able to give everyone in the audience one tiny little thing. And I hope that that's the case today. So okay. thank you very much and, uh, and good luck to everybody. Okay. All right. Thanks, Andy. Thank you for listening to Make Room for Your Power today. Ready to change your life? Email Tandy at TandyPriorCoaching.com or visit TandyPriorCoaching.com to schedule a consultation. Tandy is known for going there. She will bring depth, accountability, soulful intuition, sales, business and relationship skills, and nonstop encouragement to the table.